Welcome to the last July edition of the PFF forecast. We're almost there. We're six weeks away, seven weeks away, something like that from actual real football. But we have fake football to talk about, and you better believe we are going to talk about it. George, Eric is is recording from a clandestine location. We don't know. We believe that it's uh, somewhere in the continental United States. He is on audio today, but it will not diminish the fire of his takes. I promise you this. We're going to talk about all the training camp news. Eric has a tremendous story for me, and we will recap uh, the Formula One Hungarian Grand Prix that was uh, quite a treat. Let's rock. Can you give the viewers and myself, honestly, because I feel like I'm along for this ride, a little uh, picture, a little description of where the hell you are? Well, I'm like 40 minutes or so away from like where my wife grew up, which is like kind of the the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Um, I was planning on recording there, but like they didn't have good enough internet there. And... um, and and there was also just like too many people and like the it was just not going to work. So I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, let, let's get out into to at least a little bit of civilization, um, which, of course, I uh, I overestimated as well. So we it, it's a privilege this this Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon for you now. Or no, Sunday morning for you. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, if you are on the East Coast and if you are in the central time zone still like me, still morning, um, George, the, the great story. And I think this will give you an idea as to what the degree of Midwest Midwest passive aggressiveness. Okay. Um, so yesterday was July 30th. July right. 30th is the wedding anniversary for myself and my wife, Stephanie, oh, 11 congrats. years, 11 years ago, we got married. It's also when my brother-in-law decided to get married uh, to his, to his lovely now wife. <laughs> Now, I figured this was something that (laughs) I figured this was something that we all like knew and just didn't Mm -hmm. care about, which Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly fine with. Right. Or it's some. Yeah. Like whatever. So, um, as you know, I was in Philadelphia last week. I was meeting with uh, a few teams and then I was doing the the Wharton class and all that. So I get back about, you know, nine o'clock last night. I wake up. I drive the three hours to get to my to, to the wedding. And I pick up some flowers on the way, of course, because it's my wife and my anniversary. I walk past my soon-to-be-married brother-in-law, and he goes, what are those for me? And I go, no, they're for your sister, my wife. He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's our anniversary today. He goes, wait, it's your anniversary today? I'm like, yeah. And he looked about as, like, oh no, as, like, dumbfounded slash, like, whatever as, you know. And again, mm-hmm. somebody like me, like, I don't care. Like right. it's whatever. I, I figured you took it up with your sister before getting married on her wedding day, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's, you know, no, they didn't, they just didn't talk about it. That's like the Midwest passive aggressive. Like we just didn't talk about it. Story. It, can I, so this is not surprising to me, but let me, let me ask you this. So whose job is it? Cause like, 
I mean, you obviously have to remember your own anniversary. Your wife does. But like who else does? Like no one remembers wedding anniversaries, right? So well, that that you know, so like that's, it's, it's on your isn't it on and Steph is the your wife and she's wonderful. Um it's on Steph to like tell her brother, right? But it's an awkward place to be like, "Hey, you guys are getting married on this date." You know, like after this point in time like it's not like you guys your wedding anniversaries are ever going to get in the way of one another right like that's not a problem like that's an easy thing to share so i do think it makes sense for her to just be like i'm gonna let this one go and like not worry about it because like let them have their day we'll have our wedding anniversaries on the same day it doesn't really matter right or am i missing something <laughs> yeah i don't think it's like a bad i don't think there's anything wrong with it other than the 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 moment where like well why didn't you tell me it's like well like you know but i, I don't mean, think that that's the thing i don't think talent that i think it was the right way to go about it because if you tell someone then you've got to i mean because then you then you're in the position of like well do i change the wedding day but that doesn't make sense it's like that's ridiculous but then you've got this awkwardness so it's funny because i'm not sure if there's a way to avoid that kind of awkwardness other than other than Eric, you just not bringing flowers and them not knowing. And then you're in the dog. Right. I mean, you haven't done anything special. I think this is, I think this is where you get to the, to the, the fork in the road, which is like, just as a husband in general, you're just screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's really nothing you can do. Um, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, you were, that, you that were was, in a tough spot. <laughs> yeah, I was in a tough spot. At um, least I will say this though, like at, at least you remembered and you know, like the long-term ramifications, certainly you chose the right path given that because had you like somehow let the wedding get in the way of you remembering, you would have been in, in big trouble. Although I'm guessing that when, um, that when the wedding date came up, Steph was quick to remind you that that was your wedding anniversary. It, it was. Yeah. It, it, all those things are true. Yep. Okay. Um, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, you also had, you also had the meltdown by one of my daughters because she couldn't s sit close enough to the bride and groom. Uh -oh. uh, that was a priv. Um, you know, I'm sorry. It Did was you, also okay. like a hundred degrees out and I was like a little dehydrated. And so like, I was just like, sweat like Smart. sweating bullets in the front of the in, did in the you, front of the outdoor did you sweat, wedding did you sweat any bets out though that that's what i really wanted to know oh Were so you the guy so in the back betting let's give us let's give a syndicate update so yes. this week um hasn't been the best week for me betting I, I i as i told uh drew and you i basically lost every wnba bet on sunday which is ironic because it was the day i could bet legally because i was in pennsylvania mm -hmm. um but then yesterday you know and then it was kind of a down week down week down week uh i did not get montreal to hit i did not get uh my saskatchewan rough riders to hit however mm -hmm. i had my biggest bet of the week on the winnipeg blue bombers and they did come through and win yesterday so i'm more or less back to even for the week maybe a little less and there are five wnba games today george for my drive home um, and, and my drive through some legal states, namely Illinois and Indiana. So I, I'm excited for today. There's also a CFL game. Uh, Toronto Argonauts minus five is what I bet. Um, 
I just want to I want to hear about your Formula One because I, <laughs> I I see the tweets, I see the tweets, I wake up in time, uh-huh. and then you know the legal books are not great for F one bets. By the no, way, no, just outrights and just bull like little kind of BS little little uh, offerings. And so like I still am to the point where I get to your Twitter feed and I'm like, do I really want to log in? decipher what he's meaning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know bet bet size right based on the vibes right of your tweets and so like that that's where i get a little bit uh you know uh nervous on a sunday morning yeah okay well i'll give you i'll give you a recap here so um i was traveling yesterday uh but a recommendation early in the podcast by the way is that delta um has a new wi-fi setup and it's like it's relatively cheaper than GoGo in flight, which generally, uh, which normally does uh, Wi-Fi for flights, and you can stream on it. So I managed to watch qualifying yesterday on an airplane, on my iPad, and uh, qualifying was really interesting because Red Bull, Max Verstappen leading uh, the championship by a significant margin, um, had some issues and uh, qualified tenth. So he is way back in the pack. And George Russell with Mercedes has this amazing lap in the final qualifying round and manages to take pole position, which is big in Hungary. It's one of the harder places to overtake. So starting on pole is, is really important. But the two Ferrari drivers, uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, are certainly the two fastest cars on the grid. And they are starting in second and third. Uh, Leclerc actually in third and third is uh, on that track a better place than second because of your your line that you have so um, Leclerc is actually the favorite George Russell is four to one now he's starting in first in, in front he um, obviously was it was his first poll so it was kind of a big deal he's kind of got that happy to be here sort of situation um, but he's four to one his name is George he's also a really good driver so like I mean, I'm obviously taking. I mean, that, I mean right? and, uh, yeah, of all the vibes, yeah, you know, the feature, the feature, feature space of all vibes is all ones. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. so there was that, but there's the backdrop, as I talked about last week, of never again Ferrari. I'm never betting Ferrari again because they are a disaster when it comes to strategy. To put this in in um, context for you, so pole positions we've talked about very important in Formula One. That basically gives you an in indicator of the fastest car in any given in one lap on the on the entire grid right in formula one leclerc the f- number one ferrari driver has seven pole positions okay that's mm-hmm. that is four more than than anybody else and yet is way behind max verstappen for the championship okay so what does this tell you this tells you he is a really good driver in a really good car and something is going wrong in the race and that something is either strategy or his car decides to blow up in the middle and that's an engineering you know, a, a problem. So this has been a, a story going on for a while. I refuse to bet Ferrari. I'm not doing it again. So I bet Russell four to one to win. I figured that Lewis Hamilton, who's Russell's teammate with Mercedes was gonna be really energized by the fact that his you know, younger teammate managed to, to set pole. And so he was gonna really kind of go for it. So I bet him uh, to uh, podium at plus 225. I, I stupidly bet some McLaren uh, as well. We don't need to talk about those; they stink. Um, and uh, and and those were were, were my bets. But I, I avoided the Ferrari, uh, the, the Ferrari. So the race gets going, and Ferrari 
comes out and, and, and has it. I mean, they have the fastest car there. Leclerc gets out to the, the lead after uh, the first pit. And um, I'm like, well, damn it. Here we go. I, I've reverse jinxed him, right? Ferrari's figured it out. Not so fast. Ferrari manages to just completely bungle their strategy and put Leclerc as the leader on these hard tires, which he has no control over. He's unable to turn. Their real advantage is in the turns or the fastest car. And Max Verstappen, starting in 10th, their strategy with Red Bull is actually spot on. He pits early, which is a good strategy, especially there in Hungary. It's worked very well in the past. And he actually gets out to a very large lead by the end of the race. Uh, George Russell kind of fades. Um, he, he's just not quite as fast as uh, as the rest of the, of the cars there. And Lewis Hamilton, by the end of the race, is actually the fastest driver on the track and finishes in second. So Ferrari has all both their drivers, basically they're, they're right there for first and second with like 30 laps to go and manages to just completely screw it up from a strategy standpoint. They put, they just have no ability to, uh, to, to win the race once they have it handed to them. And it, like at one point, their um, general manager, basically for lack of a better term, gets off of the pit wall. Like he sits like right there on the, on the pit wall, gets up and just leaves and goes and walks into the trailer in the back. They are just getting absolute, their ass absolutely handed to them. At the end of the race, they interview Leclerc and he's just like, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they make these decisions. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I thankfully have not managed to reverse jinx Ferrari. They are still an absolute team of disaster. And um, yeah, that was my, that, so I won one bet plus 225 with Hamilton to podium. I lost Russell. Uh, those were my two biggest bets. Uh, Russell at four to one and um, Hamilton at plus 225. So ended up a little positive. Thanks to Hamilton could have been a bigger day, but at least Ferrari continued to suck. And so I didn't, uh, I didn't bring them back into contention by not betting. And all, and then you have, you have the rest of your day ahead of you now after that, exactly. that sweat, like yeah. you, you must be exhausted. Um, <laughs> th- I don't need to work out later. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. So you're a little bit up. Uh, any any appetite to bet some WNBA or CFL this afternoon? Or are you just gonna are you gonna pull the money back into the middle and 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 walk back to the room? The beautiful thing about West Coast time. So I like woke up, you know, not that far before the race was gonna start. So you kind of got to get up a little early. But now the day ahead of me. See, unlike you, the my next sweat will be the workout that I do. You know, in the in the driveway this afternoon. I will be uh, I will be dedicating my entire Sunday to to work. A couple a couple of obje- a couple yeah. of objections. What? Yeah. A, you're going all Terrell Owens and working out in the driveway. B, yeah. unlike me, as if I haven't been, you know, you know, I don't have a, a kettlebell and a jump rope in my in the back of my car right now. <laughs> I so does that mean you're going to get out on the side of the road and and do a workout? like liver king style maybe maybe uh i need i need video evidence of that by the way i would pay for to see eric eager and liver king work out together i think that'd be incredible um let's let's talk a little football uh and before we do a quick reminder that um if you are getting ready for fantasy football and you should be because it's it's freaking august at this point 
Go to Underdog Fantasy and start playing best ball fantasy to get yourself prepared. They are real money drafts with no in-season moves that you need to make. So you just, the draft matters and then all of your best players, your highest scorers play each week. So you don't need to make any moves and you can enter in their $10 million best ball mania tournament where there are millions of dollars up for grabs. And here's the deal. Use promo code PFF, get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred bucks, which is awesome. You can play tons of tournaments for that. And then if you play 10 of those dollars with promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So it's a great deal. All of our fantastic fantasy content there to help you dominate strategy from every single one of our analysts, obviously all of our projections um, and all of the different rankings across those analysts as well for you to take advantage of plus grades and data. And word has it, word on the street is that you will be getting a new and improved PFF fantasy experience coming your way very, very soon. So you should go take advantage of that fantastic offering. Also hearing word on the streets, I can neither confirm nor deny that there is a PFF mobile app uh, out there that uh, is being tested at this moment that you can download this coming month. I don't know. I don't know anything, Eric. You know, I'm not the person that knows any of this stuff. So I'm just, I'm just telling people what I've been hearing, but that is the, uh, the word on the street. Let's talk uh, training camp. How do you um, how much do you enjoy being back in the training camp videos and people using training camp as this like massive data point to determine the way that the season is going to go? Uh, I mean, I love it. I think people got mad at me yesterday because our fantasy football accounts had stopped doubting Tua and I, I quote tweeted and said, no, um, it's going to take one. It's going to take more than one big play in a, in a training camp by the third best team in the AFC East to, to get me going. Okay. Um, but uh, no, I mean, this stuff, it, it's nice. You know, when a guy like Romeo Dobbs, which I, by the way, it's, we thought it was Dubs and then it's Dubs and now it's Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs is like, you know, has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. I think that that is a thing. It's nice that Sky Moore is as good as we all thought, you know, has mm-hmm. looked as good as we all thought he was supposed to. Um Zeke, Zeke remains Zeke. Uh, Leonard Fournette somehow went on Nutrisystem for two weeks and and is back <laughs> down to two two forty two or whatever the heck that was. I you know all those things like matter. You know there, there's probably you know some signal that's like oh my god Daniel Jones still looks like shit. Like I think mm-hmm. that that would probably you know hurt. Yeah. Um, you know who's playing over whom is certainly ma- matters. But for the most part, for me, it's all injuries. It's all the Ryan Jensen. I know you know. Jensen's average about 0.2 wins above replacement for the last three years. That's probably a big loss for Tampa Bay, but not, you know, not a full half a win. It's like, you know, a little bit of juice on the under, I think a little bit, you know, Micah Hyde was hurt, but then that looked to be okay. Uh, Eric Armstead's going to miss some time. You know, you have some of these injuries that I think, you know, when you look back on some of these teams, you're like, well, why did this team not play as well? It's like, well, it kind of accumulated at the very beginning. I think right now is the time to monitor a lot of those things. Yeah. So I want to start what I think you make some really good points. The Tua thing is absolutely hilarious, but like, I think it's because I mean, Tyreek Hill's new podcast is actually interesting to listen to. It's, I mean, it's funny, but it's interesting. Um, And he has created a lot of buzz uh, around the Tua stuff. He was running around screaming, get your popcorn ready before, um, before training camp, the, the actual thing started. And I mean, he looks fast, not surprisingly. 
and the throw was on the money. But it's like if you're going to make, you know, if you're going to make a um, prognostication on that, or for that matter, if you're going to read into like a rookie throwing a bad interception or a young player throwing a bad interception in camp, I mean, you're on, you're on crystal. Um, but I think there are some important storylines. And so I don't know that Ryan Jensen is my number one storyline. I have one that I actually have two others that I think actually matter. You mentioned the the Green Bay one, which I'd like to, to talk about here in a second. But to the Ryan Jensen point, where have we seen Tampa Bay and Tom Brady struggle? It's been when the offensive line has been hurt, right? I mean, that's they've been the best team in the NFL when their offensive line is intact. And when they are not, it has been a struggle. You remember Ali Marpet getting injured. Um, remember Tristan Wirfs getting injured last year in the playoff run. That's when Brady has looked mortal. Last season, and by the way, using my PFF subscription to look at this data, Tom Brady, 17th in PFF grade, went under pressure, third from a clean pocket. This is not surprising, right? Now, Brady, for being an, a guy that's a statue in the pocket, being right on league average under pressure, is not is, is incredible. I mean, he's an incredible quarterback. He also mitigates pressure at one of the best rates uh, in, in the NFL because he is able to get rid of the ball so quickly, right? He was only under pressure 21% of the time last year. That is absolutely insane. The league average is like 30. And that's because he has the quickest time to throw. But what does that do? It's 2.34 second time to throw. What does that do if you are under pressure more quickly? It means he's not going to throw the ball as far down the football field, right? We saw his A dot come down a little bit last year. So that's the thing that it that hurts, right? Some of that big play um, potential. A dot down from 9.8 to 8.2. So I do think that that's the most concerning one. Let me ask you this, though. The other news out of Tampa Bay that's making all the headlines is Julio Jones, wing 85, by the way. Um, does that move matter to you? Because – I mean, he was injured a lot past couple of years. He was in Tennessee. Like, I don't know it from my perspective. I don't know if you can read anything into the Tennessee stuff. Like, is this, is this a move that people should be reacting to or one that people are overreacting to? Well, I think when, whenever you have a name like that, by the way, 85 is a perfectly fine wide receiver number. Everybody get a new slant. Um, <laughs> uh, the, I, I think, it, you know, if you put it in its proper context, like I don't think he's going to be as effective as Antonio Brown. Um, I don't think, you know, he's going to be anything more than the third wide receiver on that team in a perfect world. Uh, if Godwin comes back healthier than we expect and Mike Evans is, you know, continues to push off uh, father time, he's the third wide receiver on that team. So, you know, to the degree that 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 matters, it mattered a lot when that third receiver was Antonio Brown. Um, but but I, I think I want to bring that up, you know, as far as like the offensive line, if they struggle they're you know, Brady's going to need players to win in the first two and a half seconds. And Antonio Brown was very good at that. If Julio mm -hmm. Jones is is good at that again, because he has been in his career, then that can mitigate some of the offensive line issues. So it's just a positive for Tampa. I think the problem is, is like, what is the effect size? What is, you know, is it a quarter of a win? I would probably put it at more like one sixth of a win. If I'm mm -hmm. looking at Julio for a 17 game season as the third wide receiver, which is not nothing, but it probably doesn't mitigate the loss of Ryan Jensen. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, receiving snaps played by Julio Jones 
past four years, 605, 610, 314, 256. So the question is whether he can play. But I think even more than that for the Bucks, it's whether he can play at the end of the season, right? So the difference between playing with Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady is obviously pretty dramatic. But one of the big things there is that you know with Tom Brady, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I do think that helps Julio here. He can ease into things. You think about the loss of Gronk, a guy that is big, that that will be on the same page as Tom Brady. He's not going to play all the snaps in the world, but will make plays when you need him to. And to me, I, I know that he's not a tight end. I understand that. But to me, this is more of a replacement for that Gronk, that player that can go make plays when you desperately need him to, but not all the time, you know, than it is of, of any other player. I mean, Russell Gage, I think, will be a nice wide receiver three for them. I actually think that, you know, obviously yeah, Antonio Brown is kind of a, uh, a a crazy man, right? So it's like hard to predict. I think at least with Julio, you can predict that he's going to be a really good presence for that team, which which is going to only help them, I think. Um, and they have some young receivers on that team. So, you know, I agree with you. Um, I think it is probably, you know, uh, maybe not bigger than than Ryan Jensen, but something that can can help them mitigate uh, if their offensive line is not in in particularly good shape. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think it's worth it's worth noting, right? And and the idea that Julio is washed because he couldn't he couldn't get it together in Tennessee, I think, is unfair because that's like. Tom, like Tom, the difference between going to Tom Brady in Tampa playing there and, and being in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill is, is pretty dramatic. Yeah. And Tennessee has its own issues. I mean, the offensive line, you know, the offensive line struggled a little bit last year, but also you had Todd Downing uh, taking over for Arthur Smith and you know, that, that had, had its own issues. So yeah, I'll get, I'll, you know, suspend disbelief on Julio Jones for a decent amount of time. I think that, there, there's something there. There, Tampa's going to be able to, among all the teams in the league, elicit the you know the biggest bump for him. It's also on grass, which is a good thing for guys who have you know the these you know soft tissue injuries and stuff. So uh, you know, I, I think it's an okay situation for him. We'll see how it goes. So my next big storyline um, is one that um, that I don't know if you have on your list. But um, Trey, Trey Lance is the real deal. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know. This, I don't, you can't see. You can't see me, but I'm smiling right now because. <laughs> no. So we talked about um, on the last podcast. By the way, if you didn't listen to the Drew Dinsick podcast, have gotten a lot of really positive feedback from people. It's a great conversation. Drew is fantastic, um, and uh, is one of the more savvy uh, betters out there that you will you will be able to listen to. But we talked about Trey Lance 50 to one twin MVP. So I was obviously on pins and needles reading every single tweet from 49ers beat reporters about every single pass that Trey Lance threw. There's a highlight of him throwing an absolute dime to Brandon Ayuk on the right sideline. Um, he threw one bad interception, but it was to Fred Warner, which I just see as affirmation that Fred Warner is worth all the money and that he's going to be the def uh, defensive player of the year candidate this year. Um I, I'm joking, actually. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to go all in on Trey Lance after one uh, training camp video, but the um, the the fifty to one MVP bet 
lives. And that's, that's what I needed, right? I needed a little bit of confirmation that it it's there. It's alive uh, because I'm going to Vegas and I'm making a, I'm making a big bet on Trey Lance MVP. 50 to one. Can you imagine? I mean, that, that celebration, if, even if he's like in the running with like 14, you know, at week 14 or something like that, that would be, I would be a, an absolute treat on this podcast. You wouldn't yeah, know I have a few. I have a few. I have a few longer shots for the syndicate that are similar. I have, you know, the eighteen to one on uh, CD Lamb to lead the league in receiving. I have mm. a twenty to one on Kevin O'Connell and Coach of the Year. Um, and then what's CD right now? Has that changed? I think it's. I I have to look. I th- I still think it's eighteen to one or so. Uh, those those markets don't move a ton, and they're not. Yeah. There's a decent amount of hand of hold there, so. Uh, and you, I believe, unless you're looking at Circa, and I don't even know if Circa will allow you to bet the other side of something like that. But for the most part, you can't bet the no on play, on props like that. So right. it, it's a little trickier. What What are the limits? Sorry, I, I don't know. What 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 are the limits right now on those that you that you think you could get? Like, if I were to go out to Vegas, what do you think I could get limit wise right now? Uh, well, at, at a sports book, if you put down a, more than, I believe, $1,000 on a bet, you have to register, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm guessing I'm guessing you can get, you know, one to $5,000 on one of those. Okay. I mean, well, maybe not on a prop like that, but like I know with some PP, he- you know, uh, paper heads, like I'm, I'm basically, you know, 500 is a limit, you know, for some of these futures. I'm not putting 500 on any of these things that are going like 50 to one or so, but you know, it, you do like, I mean, if you put a hundred dollars in something like that, it's, it's a, it's a pretty, you could throw a pretty decent party with that. Yeah. Vegas is expensive though. So I'm going to have to make sure that I, I put enough down. Um, sorry. I, I, uh, I think I cut you off there. You were making a point. Go ahead. Well, I look, I, I think that the 49ers are in a place where they've, what I really like about what they did and, and, you know, we have quotes about other quarterbacks where, you know, there haven't been as like, you know, flowery. What I like with the 49ers did is they said, look, like we're being very definitive. We are not turning back to Jimmy Garoppolo. We're moving on with Trey Lance. The time is now for Trey Lance. They're also not saying things that should insult people. So like, you know, I don't like it when teams like, oh, this is the best quarterback we've ever had. Like they're not doing that, mm. but they're also not, you know, saying, oh, you know, this is the the Mister Right Now type of thing. Like they're mm-hmm. they're committing to him, which is which is a big deal. And you know, the the stats about Jimmy G, who I we both like as a leader, but not necessarily as a tactician at quarterback. Like there's so much meat on the bone for Lance that this team could be really good and you know, it's whether or not you divvy the credit to Shanahan or Lance. And I think Shanahan's gotten enough credit in his career. We're sort of have fatigue on him to the point where like, I think all the long shot bets on Lance are good ones. Yeah. I'm with you. I actually, plus he, so, plus he could rush for a thousand yards. He could rush for a thousand yards. Right. right. Um, sorry. That wasn't actually my second biggest storyline, but it does involve a quarterback. And I don't know if this is one that you would have. So Another thing that you look for in camp, and this is my, um, this is the non-math side uh, of me, which is what, what's the energy like in camp? So let me tell you an energy that I don't like in camp, the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Tyreek Hill on the microphone saying, get your popcorn ready. 
this huge moral victory of actually completing a pass downfield without pads on for Tua, I fade that to the moon. I, I could not I absolutely fade that to the moon. And we already have both of us, I believe, uh, some juice on uh, some money on um, Dolphins under. But you know what I do like? I like when there's an edge, okay? When there's a little chip on the shoulder, when there's just a little bit of intensity in uh, like a microchip, like what's camp. ever yeah. inside of Aaron yeah. Rodgers' arm. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw this, but Josh Allen got in uh got in a little bit of a tussle with the defense because the defense was a little too rough with him when he was running the ball in, in camp and started a little bit of a brawl, a little bit of fight. That's I love seeing that. Now the the Bills are the favorite. We've talked about this, and I still believe that the Bucs should be the favorite, but that kind of energy is the energy that i'm looking for in camp so i like that i i like that from josh allen i think if you are someone that does have some sort of money on the bills this season in some way whether it be super bowl or allen mvp or any of those things that's something that you do like to see again it's hard to make a lot of stuff that's happening in training camp but that is something that that i like seeing and i think that you know from a bills team that very easily could be kind of hanging a banner for all of their great offseason moves and the fact that they are the favorite don't appear to be doing so. And, and that's really important. You have to like that. If you are a bills fan, I, I think the bills are one of the better run franchises in all of the league. And, and, you know, hopefully they get to the window. That being said, I have placed a bet just based upon vibes and doubts. Mm. Did mm. you see Patrick Mahomes standing at the podium looking like basically like flash I did not see that. He had like all red on basically. And it, like, it was like, uh, you know, like a cross between Flash's suit and like my kid's pajamas. <laughs> so, but like, can we pause for a sec? So Patrick Mahomes is getting, and I, and granted, like we did look a little bit deeper at the data and there is some truth to mm-hmm. the whole, like once he had to get to a second read last year, it wasn't as pretty as like it has been in previous years. So mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're, has everybody just spent this entire offseason kind of taking little pot shots at Mahomes? I don't. Am I overperceiving that? I think you're overperceiving this. And I also think, you know, there, there's, I mean, he did not play that well last year. So I, I agree. You know, yeah. I, there's deserved, there's some deservedness here too, which, you know, I, I think, is important to call out and you know the you mentioned sky Moore at the top which i thought was kind of funny because of course you know one one throw and we know that we know that he was the right pick there um but you know the behind the back pass for mahomes it's like all over social media and <laughs> i mean it's fun and everything but the the patrick mahomes gets a lot of pot shots because the media makes a huge deal out of the like littlest things that Patrick Mahomes does because he does do some amazing things. So like we try and make mountains out of molehills with Patrick Mahomes. And so that's why he gets it. And, and it's, it's totally deserved, like absolutely deserved, but you look last year and I guess my question to you, you know, the, the, the quote was basically like, um, was he plays like street ball or something after, you know, after he gets off his first read or something like that. The um the like racist undertones by any you know defensive coordinator or anonymous piece of garbage 
when they talk about a, a quarterback of color is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, but you know, here's the, here's the thing as well. It's, it's not just about, so and I'm curious your take here because it's kind of like playing from a clean pocket where I am all, not only am I concerned about how they do on their first read and second read, but for me, it's about how often are they throwing to that first read? So, you know, uh, what concerns me, I think more is that Mahomes threw to his first read 59% of the time, which is about 10 percentage points below league average. And to me, that's a sign of, well, they just weren't in the right, they weren't in rhythm, right? They weren't in the yeah. right zone. They didn't, their scheme was not what it used to be. Because was if Pat, you're a great- Was Pat not trusting the offense anymore, a la Rodgers during the McCarthy era? Right. Well, you know, it, it speaks to, it speaks to quarterback and obviously, you know, play caller not being on the same page. But it also speaks to, in my mind, a lack of good communication both on the football field and off. So if you're, if you're running plays where you're like, Hey, our first option just isn't like, isn't open. You would expect to kind of go back to the drawing board and talk about those things. And to me, it, it makes me question whether there is that good communication. It also, Eric, who is their number one read on a lot of plays? It's gotta be Tyreek Hill, right? Who's no longer there. I wonder if there was lack of trust in, in that, was there lack of communication there? So I actually would look at this, you know, garbage comment by someone about how, you know, Mahomes is bad after his first read. And yes, last year he had negative EPA per play when he threw after his first read and the league average is positive. And he had, you know, half as many uh, big time throws as uh, uh, half, half the big time throw rate as the NFL average, which is not good. Um, so all of those things are true from last season, but to me, this is more endemic of, I think the larger problems that Kansas city had last year, and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to fix them, right? They don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. They now have Sky Moore, Juju and MBS. And will that communication between coach and quarterback be where it needs to be? Well, that that's where I I've come to my thesis about this, which is, Regardless of whether or not the Chiefs can solve the problem, they at least identified it mm -hmm. and made moves to get away from it, right? Because Hill was a fundamentally different receiver last year. You know, the last two seasons, his average depth of target had gone down about two and a half yards. Yards after the catch went down a yard and a half per catch. Mm -hmm. He had 23 drops the last two years, and a lot of that is going from being like an underneath receiver or going to being an underneath receiver from being a deep receiver. It's just a different hand skill, right, as far as catching mm -hmm. the ball. So, like, I would be more concerned if the Chiefs had kept Tyree Kill and said, oh, we just have to execute better. I mm -hmm. like the fact that they said, no, this was clearly a problem, and we have to try to solve it. Now, I think it's the uncertainty is whether they solved it, but I at least think that I'm at least happy as a chiefs fan that they actually identified a problem and like went to go to, you know, to try to solve it as opposed to just either saying, Oh, it's a problem of execution or, you know, it's not actually a problem. It's just noise. At least they looked at it and said, Hey, we're not actually, you know, maybe our second read passes aren't great because our, our receiver depth is terrible. Right. When, mm -hmm. you know, 
everybody's mad at Patrick Mahomes for not throwing it to Byron Pringle in the end zone in the AFC title game. Like, how is that even a sentence, right? So right. at least you get some, like, you know, and again, no one's saying that MBS, Juju, and Sky Moore, any of them even get within the stratosphere of Tyreek Hill, but I think whoever finishes second and third out of that group is much better than what the Chiefs had last year at second and third receiver. And that might that might be enough to sort of buoy them but I agree, I, and that's why I'm taking long shot bets like Mahomes MVP because I don't want to bet that 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 outcome at minus one ten. I want to bet it at nine to one or eight to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it makes it makes a ton of sense, and I agree with you. That's exactly why that's exactly why you would place that bet. Let's talk Packers here for a second because they're actually you mentioned Romeo Dobbs. Um, there and it was funny i saw a tweet actually this is from a pff account as well which was saying like don't sleep on the on the green bay packers wide receivers alan zard christian watson randall cobb romeo dobbs um are you, you forget what you forget one big one who am sammy i Wa- sammy Watkins. oh sammy Watkins. <laughs> i had it i forget <laughs> sammy Watkins. yes uh, that's actually the guy that was on the graphic romeo wasn't even on there um so what like what do you make of because you know that they were if, if Christian Watson had made a single decent play, you know we'd be talking about it all over yeah. social media. Yeah. Um, but he he's been he's been banged up since early on. So I don't know if we're even gonna get to see him in training camp again. You've got you've got Alan Lazard be you know, and and Aaron Rodgers apparently being, you know, just great friends in Comunicado. What is your take on this situation? I mean, they do have to throw the ball at some point, and I'll throw into this as well what I thought was maybe the bigger news, which is David Bakhtiari, or the absence, I should say, of David Bakhtiari. Yeah. Well, it, what it sort of underscores is how good the Packers can be later on in the draft because they took Zach Tom out of Wake Forest, who, you know, if everybody's talking about Jermaine Johnson, everybody wants, you know, the, the episodes mm-hmm. that we had that were a meat grinder of telling everybody that Jermaine Johnson wasn't very good. Well, Zach Tom got him in a matchup against Florida State and held him to like nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's a, a very good ACC tackle that could come in and play. You know, you have Elton Jenkins who has position flexibility. There's hope that Bakhtiari will play, but. I think that they're probably as as poorly off as they were last year at worst, and maybe they get a little bit better. But without without Adams there, they they might have to hold up longer. I think if Dobbs can be a good football player and gain the trust of Rodgers, and, and Lazard can be kind of who he's always been, and then mm-hmm. the tight end Tanyan can play on the play action stuff, and they they get Aaron they get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. You might be able to see effective offense, mm-hmm. but man, I, I just don't like, I think the best case scenario for the Packers is Christian Watson emerges midseason, becomes a deep threat that everybody believes in. It catches the league by surprise. The Packers offense adjusts faster than the league's defenses. And then they get somebody like Sammy Watkins to have a big game or two when they really need it. Like the chiefs did. He's never consistent, but he had the big games. And then guys like Dobbs and Lazard can be like just kind of consistent, but it, it's rough. I don't see the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, even though I'm a fan of Romeo Dobbs. I mean, like we we like that draft pick a lot. I mean, he was taken a lot higher in some of the mock draft sims that we did at PFF. I 
it's just it's going to be a struggle for them. And they better hope their defense is as good as we all think it is. That, that seems to be what everyone is kind of hanging their hat on. Um, I like taking a shot, though, on, you know, on a guy like Romeo Dobbs. You know, if you're, you know, drafting, um, you know, a fantasy team, like a late round flyer, because, you know, there's no reason to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going into the season making $50 million a year and is going to go, yeah, you know what? Like I'm cool with, I'm cool with the defense and the running game being, you know, being the, the, uh, the reason that, that we're good. Right. Um, And here's, I mean, let me just say, this is what was written about Romeo Dobbs, D O U B S, which I, uh, which I love um, uh, in our, in our draft guide. He was Carson uh, Strong's top target um, at Nevada, 6'2", 200, and consistently separates downfield. Hometown, Los Angeles, California, by the way. Um, I mean, he, his downfield ability, you know, is, is I think something that if it, if it is there, I mean, that's not, that's not something that the rest of the receivers necessarily have in spades. Um, he also was a track and field guy. So, you know, he's got some speed. Um, I, you know, to me, this is, this is the type of guy that could really, you know, emerge. And yeah, it would be surprising, I guess, if he was end up being better than Christian Watson, but it wouldn't be that big of a surprise, right? Like it, it wouldn't no. be, um, you know, like it, it's, it, those things kind of happen. So, um, yeah, I would, I would take a, uh, take a fly on him. No doubt about it. Uh, what, if any, uh, other storylines from training camp, are you paying attention to, or is that wrap it up for you? That That's it for me. I know we talked a little bit about the Kyler stuff. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, I think, I think right now you have to assume that the Arizona Cardinals are a mess and, you know, we, we said this last year, too, and they, they jumped out of the gate extremely quickly. Um, but just monitor that. I mean, they do get Rodney Hudson back, which is helpful. He's a very good center. The rest of the offensive line isn't very good. So if they would have had to go into the year without Rodney Hudson, it would have been rough for them. Um, but, man, without without Hopkins for the first six games of the year, um it's not going to be pretty, I don't think, for them. Defensively, you know, Vance Joseph did a wonderful job last year. Can he repeat that this year? They're playing Isaiah Simmons more at like a safety kind of nickel mm-hmm. role, which is interesting to say the least. So um, I I would say, you know, and, and that's another, uh, you know, possibility for the Lance bets, right? If you look mm-hmm. at the NFC West, it used to be four teams that all had a pulse. And now you're talking about Seattle's, you know, far cry from being any good. Uh, Arizona could take a huge step back. And then, you know, it's basically the Rams who, you know, the Niners have basically covered the spread against them. How many, how many times in a row, you know, a million times in a row, it seems like. And, and the Niners who, you know, win total of 10, but you know, significant upside. It's. I can't believe we didn't talk about this because I feel like we already have, but it's a good point. There's no, and maybe tell me if you think I'm wrong. There's no way around the fact that that study for four hours clause 
was intentionally put in. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? That you that does not make it into a contract unless you are doing so very intentionally, okay? And then it gets out. How does it get out? Well, I'll tell you who didn't oh, oh. make it. What do you mean? What are you going to say? Oh, well, like, I think it's very, it's very important for our listeners to know this. This is, you know, when this is a worn out sort of thing that we've gotten from being involved on the B2B team side for years. Not everybody in every building agrees with every move. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've gotten text messages from people in the league, like, basically texting me, like, the F word after their team signs a player. Like, Like, you know. Not everybody in every in every building believes in every single move that the team makes, right? So this is very clearly leaked by somebody within the Cardinals organization. Or it wasn't even leaked. I mean, the contract is widely available, so you can read it. But this is very clearly pointed to by somebody in the organization who does not like that they extended Kyler Murray, yeah? Well, that was going to be my point, right? Is it's not coming from, you know, Kyler and his side of things, right? It's... Either being either it was caught by someone who reads all of the contracts, and that's I think that's definitely a possibility. But the uh, the only other possibility, right, is that it was somehow talked about either by a person that put it in there, right? Which I wouldn't like. It wouldn't shock me for someone, you know. And I'm guessing this go. It has to go all the way up to Steve Kime, right? It was like, yeah, we need this clause in there. It wouldn't shock me if Steve Kime was like bragging to someone about the fact that he put the clause in there and like that's yeah. how it leaked. I'll be honest with you, like, yeah, but man, if we, we put that in there. No worry, he's going to be studying his ass off this year. And it's like, wait, what? And then yeah. you know, someone checks. But like the other option is your point, right? That it's someone else is exactly it. It's someone else in the organization who's like, yeah, can we believe like we did this? Like we had to put this clause in there. But you also don't put that clause in there unless you're not putting that in there for any other reason other than the guy doesn't spend enough time studying, right? Like, I, I'm trying to understand how this no, is there, there's, a, there's absolutely a no bigger, reason to put it. There's, yeah, it, it's hard because if you're Kime and Kingsbury, you probably got contract extensions you didn't deserve, mm-hmm. Right. If mm-hmm. you think, yeah, like you're talking about you've had a, a rookie, you've had two cracks at the rookie quarterback. Now, uh, Kingsbury just won, but you've had two cracks at the rookie quarterback over the last four years. You've won, you've made exactly one playoff appearance and won zero playoff games. But there's no way you get that contract extension without also giving Murray one. It looks terrible. Right. right. So I think that there's like this, this ex- coexistence that I think is awkward there. Maybe they don't hate each other, but it's awkward, right? It's sort of, you know, it's like, you know, we've all had like, you know, interactions with family members where like no one doesn't like each other, but it's Mm -hmm. not, they don't speak the same language necessarily about things. So it just is like, oh, I I didn't think that would offend you. And like, oh yeah, I did. And like, don't you think that 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 is a possibility here? Yes. But here's, sometimes it's just common sense. So... And, you know, this is something that is where sports and business intersect a little bit. Let's think about the, the, the things here in success. This is a non-story, right? Because in success, he's studying more than four hours a week. You're not going to be a successful franchise. You're not going to compete for, you know, NFC championships, NFC West divisions, a Super Bowl even 
if he's studying less than four hours a week. You, you, you're not. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who it is, right? It's not happening. But in failure, <laughs> if things aren't working out, you mean to tell me that going to Kyler Murray and going, hey, buddy, it says in your contract that you've got to study for four hours and we had you in the film room for 357. You need to get it together. <laughs> you're telling me that that's turning this around? Like, no, no, it, it, it's not. So putting this in the contract only serves to, to, to do harm because it gets leaked and now it's a story and now everyone's pissed. And, and in negotiating it, it also pisses off. I, I'm sure. Like, you're telling me that them putting that in there wasn't contentious? I mean, yeah. it had to have been, right? And Kyler Murray's sitting there now. Maybe, maybe Kyler Murray was playing Call of Duty while this was happening. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't care. But it had to be contentious. And that's the problem is when you're negotiating something and you, you get overly aggressive in the negotiation of terms that in the long term don't actually matter because holding them accountable to that doesn't really help you, right? It's like, what are you going to do? Null and void his contract because he isn't studying four hours a, a, a week? Like that's that's not happening, well, right? You're I not think... going to battle for that. Like you're not going to court for that. I mean, that's ridiculous. So to me, it's one of those things where this is just another example of poor business being done and, and not, it's really important to play things out and think about whether this is worth having, right? Like in success, this doesn't matter. In, in failure, if things aren't going well, it also isn't turning things around. Yeah. And I think like ultimately what it could have been is the two sides being like, oh, well, I, we don't maybe the one side was like, look, we don't want Kyler Murray enough to respect him fully. And then they give him this clause, which I think is disrespecting him somewhat. And then he actually signs it. And then somebody's like, well, look, Kyler certainly had the time to study because he's able to sign up for this when it when the money, met. you know, like mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's just like one big like you know, I call it acting out sometimes, like when you don't get your way and you try to like, you know, flip over tables and stuff like that. Like this is very clearly somebody on the, you know, on maybe the other side of Murray acting out over, you know, them putting something so ridiculous in the contract and then Murray signing it, which I think is also, if you're going to put something in there, you kind of want the player to be like, Oh, go, go bleep yourself. Right. Like, this is stupid. Like you, and when the when the player accepts it, you're point. like, well, how much does how much does the guy actually care mm -hmm. if you know if, if he could be moved? Sign that, yeah, yeah. So like, I think it's like a big and like I said, all this is to say that like I'm just going to short the Cardinals for a while because I just don't know if this thing is functional. No, it's a good the the point on him signing is it's a really really good point. Um, by the way, I saw a clip from. Uh, Barstool Big Cat, our big our our big friend, our friend Big Cat, and and pardon my take, and he pointed out, and I actually don't, he could be just like completely bullshitting here, but I, this makes sense to me. Call of Duty comes out in the fall, and I guess his drop off coincides, like his second half drop offs coincide with <laughs> Call of Duty coming out, which is absolutely hilarious. It, somebody I, made a graph of it. It's actually somebody made a graph of it, and it is like somewhat like stark the the drop off in his like fantasy performance so once call of duty comes out so i need to, there's two things that i need to check on like because he streams himself playing i don't know if he's actually a call of duty player that would be the first thing to check but isn't all this streaming stuff like 
widely available on Twitch. So can't someone just look up like, is the guy playing more afterwards? <laughs> or like, does does his performance go down with the more he's he's playing? Because I think he streams himself pretty frequently. So it seems like an easy thing to to check and to see yeah. but also a trend for us to certainly bet on this year like let's remember that when call of duty comes out it's time yeah. for us to 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 fade the cardinals because who knows maybe they do come out and um you know cliff kingsbury having a summer away with a russian supermodel gets the job done and like they do start again you know eight no or something crazy and then we are able to fade them and the, the Trey Lance futures hit. Let's just remember that when the season comes around. It's the circle of life, Simba. Any recommendations for us this week? Or have you given us all that Wisconsin has to offer? Uh, I, okay. So there's a, I, I gave away the book that I was reading um, last time. Now I started this other one, which I think is really good. I got this, uh, as a recommendation from my friend Brant Tillis, who is the VP of uh, player personnel for the Chiefs. Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again by Johan Hari. It is a very good book so far. I will, I will say I've only gotten through a little bit of it, but if you enjoyed stuff like Deep Work by Cal Newport or any of the Cal Newport books, you will also enjoy this one. It's good. Um, everyone should probably try and focus more uh i have a recommendation kind of it's actually just a food review um i'm here in northern california in menlo park i tried a place last night called bird dog uh it is a fairly popular place in palo alto um it's supposed to be very very good i'll say it was it was it was good in some places um not great in others um they had a what appeared to be like a Caesar salad kind of thing that was extremely woefully disappointing. They did have some good challah bread and the bass was very good uh, and the drinks were pretty solid. But um, it's uh, I, I say this because it comes up on a lot of like the top 10 lists. If you're in this area looking for things, I would probably I would not go back. Um, it would not be a place that I would go back to. I would go for drinks, um, but it would not be a place that I would go to if you're in the Palo Alto area. I would look for some other places um, like an Evia or something like that, which is a good Greek restaurant. So that's my recommendation for everybody. I'll continue to keep people appraised of what's going on in the food scene because I know you all care about that. Uh, that is our podcast. We will be back with you on Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a great week. Love you all.